This episode is sponsored by KiwiCo. KiwiCo is an award-winning monthly subscription crate with hands-on projects for kids 0 to 16. It makes learning about science, technology, art, geography, culture, and math fun. Everything KiwiCo produces is designed by experts and tested by kids. KiwiCo spends over a thousand hours designing and testing every single crate. KiwiCo offers projects for every age and interest, from geography and culture, to engineering and design, to science and art, and much more. And Kara, you just had some boxes arrive at your house, right? We did. We did um, an atlas crate that was all about Japan, and then we got the... Um, the pinball machine in Eureka Crate. Have you seen that one? No. Oh, it's awesome. Um, this month, we were exploring China with our Atlas Crate, and we're going to make a stained glass sun catcher, which will be perfect for entering the dark yeah. season here with our Doodle Crate. And then we're ridiculously excited that our Eureka Crate that just came, you make a card shuffling machine, which is perfect for our family because we play so many yeah. games. So I was thinking with the holidays on the horizon, this would make a great gift. And there's really something for anyone from ages 1 to 104. Totally. You know how aunts and uncles and everybody are always like, what can I get your kids? What can I get your kids? A subscription to KiwiCo because there is nothing that brings kids as much joy as getting a KiwiCo box at their door. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They are like, it came. <laughs> I, I always say I used to have a closet right by – um my front door so I could hide our KiwiCo boxes when they came and now we don't have that anymore so now we just have to do them the minute the doorbell rings and the kids see them. <laughs> so to learn more about all the crates KiwiCo has to offer and to pick which ones your kids would like best go to KiwiCo.com slash homeschool sisters. That's KiwiCo.com slash homeschool sisters. Sisters listeners who follow this link will get a free trial promotion. You'll get your first month free. You'll just need to pay shipping $4.95 for the U.S. or $9.95 for international shipping. Hi there, and welcome to the Homeschool Sisters podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm Kara, and we're two homeschooling moms doing this homeschooling thing right beside you. We don't have it all figured out, but one thing we know for sure is that homeschooling is a lot easier when you have a sister by your side. Hey, Kate. Hey, Kara. How are you? I, I'm like over the moon excited. <laughs> I know. I know. This book that we're going to be talking about today, I mean, we're talking to an author who has written four books, but the one that we're kind of focusing on, I think it just changed everything for me. I'm just, I'm so grateful for it. And I think this is one of the ways that we connected early on, you and I. <laughs> Right? Because we both had a love for this book. Um, we had both read it and connected over it. Because yeah. I read it in a preschool book club when my I had just had my youngest. So I remember being at the book club and it was my first night out and he was sleeping in a sling. Oh. When we talked about the book. Oh. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. And I, I read it. Um, I had a battered used copy because we didn't have a lot of money back then so I had to buy it used online and I still have my battered used copy and it's got marks in it and everything else and now it's got my marks and because we're doing this interview today it has about 75 post-it notes but it's just amazing so we're talking about Mitten Strings for God by Katrina Kennison and we are thrilled to be able to interview her today 
it's such it's crazy it's kind of, yeah it feels a little nuts it's like how did this happen how did we get here <laughs> how did we go from being these two moms who i i feel like i i really i didn't know i needed it but i needed that message from her book yeah kind of desperately um all about slowing down being present enjoying the ordinary and the simple with your kids i i needed that and i it came to me somehow and i'm i'm just continually grateful for it i feel like it shaped yes. so much from the way we we like the for, from the way i parent to the way i homeschool to the way that just everything so to the way you live life yeah really. because it's yeah. not the message the messages in her books go against this whole instagram culture that we have where everything's perfect and everyone's trying to one-up and right and competition like there's no leprechaun traps and (laughs) elf on the shelves like all that stuff it's it's not that yes yes it's about slowing down and um realizing that it's we have such a short time to raise our kids and it goes by so fast so oh we need to call her but before we do quick note we're going on break. We're going on holiday break so that we can do exactly all the things we're talking about today. Yeah, with Katrina. We're going to just slow down, enjoy the holidays with our families, play lots of board games, eat lots of pie, and then we'll be back <laughs> in the winter. <laughs> um, and we should probably let people know one more time. We announced it a little while ago, but in case they're starting to make any travel plans for the coming year, you and I are speaking together. Yes, we are. In March, we are going to be at the Virginia Homeschoolers Conference, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's going to be super fun. I feel like it's already turning into a big family reunion because I'm hearing from people that it's like you know people we've known for years that are going it's oh like gosh, oh my goodness we're gonna get to meet in person it's amazing <laughs> i know i know um i kind of want to go Let's for like a whole week call them all by their instagram name <laughs> <laughs> i felt so bad i totally did that one time i met um i met someone and and the first thing i shouted at her was her instagram name and i felt like i'm sorry maria i shouted maria her instagram name maria i, I hope you uh if if you if you don't remember this, never mind. But otherwise, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll have a link to that over in the show notes at thehomeschoolsisters.com. And then we'll be on break for a little while. And then we'll be back in the winter. And um, I think we should, should put on our most courageous pants and call Katrina. What do you think? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Hello, Katrina. Hello. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. We are really thrilled to talk to you today. Um, And can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, your family, and the work that you do? Sure. Um, Well, I picked up uh, the book that we're going to talk about, Mitten Strings for God, this morning, just to take a peek, because it's been a while since I wrote that book. Um, And when I wrote it, my two sons were nine and six. And my younger one just turned 27 last week, and my older one is turning 30 in December. So um, I was suddenly thinking, wow, it's time for a 20-year anniversary edition of Mitten Strings for God, because a few things have changed. Um, So yeah, I'm I'm the mom of two adult sons. Um, 
And that book was really, I was talking to myself as much as anyone at the time because I had such a longing to live a different kind of life and for my sons to have a different kind of childhood than the one that would have unfolded for all of us in our busy Boston suburb if I had just jumped in and done what everyone else was doing. So that was kind of the catalyst to to both start writing and to start living in a different way. And, um, and also, it really just opened up a, a lifelong journey for me into sort of the, this kind of spiritual path of mothering and and not just mothering, but really being in relationship and being in relationship with the present moment as well. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, so I, I know you talk about that you were working with Olive Ann Burns. You were her editor, correct? On, that's right. Okay. And that you were inspired by by her in some ways and it's so neat to be able to ask you because I've always wanted to ask what it was um, in that relationship that you saw with her that that set you on this path. Oh, yes. And it's it's really wonderful to have an opportunity to talk about her and to remember her. And for people who may not know, um, she's the author of a wonderful first novel called Cold Sassy Tree which was published in 1983. Um, And she wrote her first novel when she was my age, 60. Actually, I'm 61 now. Um, And she had just been diagnosed with cancer. And she called her husband uh, right after she left the doctor's office. And she said, well, I have cancer and I'm going to write a novel. Because that was something she had always wanted to do. And suddenly she realized time might be short and she better get to it. And I was uh, probably 23 at the time, very young assistant editor. um, And I got handed this enormous manuscript to read over a weekend. And part of my job was to read things that came in and write um, manuscript reports for the higher ups. Um, I was a lowly editorial (laughs) assistant. And I had the great pleasure of reading this book and getting to write the kind of report that every assistant wants to write. It's like, yes, we should publish this book and it could become an American classic. And so my boss at the time um, paid attention to that memo and we acquired the book and then he handed it to me to edit, which was like also a dream come true. So for a long time, Olive Ann and I talked on the phone and we wrote letters back and forth. And because it was her first novel, and it was actually my first novel as well, we had this just wonderful working relationship. I was young. She, to me at the time, she seemed old. Of course, 60 is not old, but <laughs> what did I know at 23? Um, and then finally, when the book was published, I got to meet her. And by that time, of course, I just loved her. And I think that that affection was mutual. So began this just really remarkable friendship. I had so much to learn from her, um, not just about being a writer, but about being a mother and being um, a writer and a mother and being a human being. And then as she was starting a sequel, Cold Sassy Tree was like this enormous success. Um, And so she was trying to respond to all of her fans by writing the sequel they all wanted. And then her cancer returned. 
And as it ended up, she was only able to write about 12 chapters, but she had made it really clear that she wanted what she had written to be published, and it really wasn't enough to stand on its own. So her family and her literary agent and the publisher I worked for all agreed that I would write kind of a memoir, a reminiscence about what she wanted to do with the rest of the book and also about my relationship with her. So that was the first writing I had ever done, um, longer than jacket flap copy. And of course, I was really excited and very nervous about doing her justice. And I had my first son who was, um, at the time I was starting this, he was just a little over a year old. So Olivan had died. Her next door neighbor, Norma, um, who had helped her with everything while she was sick, had all of her papers in her house. And I knew Norma well. And so I left my son for the first time home with his dad. And I flew down to Atlanta to start going through Olivan's papers and start writing this little mini memoir. And it was really just a profound experience to sit there, um, still grieving her death, and be surrounded by boxes and manuscript papers and also all these little notes that she had written to herself. Everything from like lists of what she was giving her kids for Christmas to just little reflections and observations that she made when she was sick. Um, and there was one little scrap of paper in particular that I came across that I just read with tears just pouring down my face because it was it was all about just realizing how precious life is. And I just felt like she was speaking right to me, this young mom with a baby at home telling me to pay attention because you just oh. never know, um, you know, how, how fragile life is and how it can turn on a dime. And so I came home with that piece of paper and put it above my desk. And it really has kind of informed everything I've written um, and certainly the way I've lived my life. Wow. Oh, That's wow. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, wait, do you want me to just read it? It's a couple of lines. Yes. Long. Oh, I, that would be amazing. Okay. Yes. I have it. I have it right here because I did include it in the beginning of Mitten Strings for God. And so this is all of Anne, and this is her handwriting. And she, she wrote, I have learned to quit speeding through life, always trying to do too many things too quickly without taking the time to enjoy each day's doings. I think I always thought of real living as being high. I don't mean on drugs. I mean, real living was falling in love or when I got my first job or when I was able to help somebody, or watch my baby get born, or have a good morning of really good writing. In between the highs, I was impatient. You know how it is. Life seemed so daily. Now I love the dailiness. I enjoy washing dishes. I enjoy cooking. I see my father's roses out the kitchen window. I like picking beans. I notice everything. Bird songs, the clouds, the sound of wind, the glory of sunshine after two weeks of rain. These things I took for granted before. So she knew she was dying when she wrote those words. Um, and I think as a young mom, I knew all about that impatience that she was talking about, you know, when you're just home with the baby day after day and the days seem long. Um, and so I did feel like, well, this was a message for me. And I, and I took heed. Oh, 
And then you have a chapter in the book that we're going to talk about, Mitten Strings for God, called Dailiness. Yeah. And I think Kate and I both, in reading that, it it really impacted, I don't want to speak for you, Kate, but I know we've just talked about this book so much, that it really impacted us. Um, And I was lucky to read your book as a young mom, and I, I just can't imagine what my parenting would have been like without it, so... And I mean, I'm just so grateful for it. I am too. I read it first when uh, my oldest was in preschool and it was part of a preschool book club. And I have since given it to every new mom. I've given all your books to all my friends. <laughs> but um, I, And I, I echo what Kara says, that I wonder how it would be different without reading it. But I'm also... I have a question, like at this phase in our parenting, my kids are now 11, 10, and nine. And I try to be present. I'm acutely aware that every moment they're, you know, changing and growing before my eyes. And I know a lot of moms out there feel the same. You struggle to be present. And even though you're aware of this and you're thankful for this moment, at the end of the day, sometimes you're sitting, sitting there thinking, once they're in bed, how can I do this better? So I'm wondering what advice you would give to either yourself or to new moms at that phase, you know, how to be present amid the chaos that is motherhood, because it's a beautiful, messy, wild ride. Well, I think you, I love that word, messy, (laughs) in conjunction (laughs) with beautiful, because it is both. And I think we are so hard on ourselves. We want to do a good job. We want to be present. We're also human beings, we're fallible, we're so imperfect. Um, And it's important for our kids to see us struggle, lose it, cry, get frustrated. You know, we can't embody perfection for them, but we can embody humanity and humility and fragility. And so being able to just say, I'm sorry I lost my temper, or I realized I was really distracted and I'm going to pay attention now. I think that's way more helpful for our kids than for us to just hold ourselves to some high standard all day and then collapse once the kids are in bed with a lot of self-recrimination. To know how to apologize and to know how to let things go and to say, all right, well, this day wasn't great, but tomorrow's another day. Because our kids are going to have to do that over and over again in their lives. And if we can just model that moment to moment, and that really is what being present is all about. It's like, right now, I'm feeling like I really just screwed that up. And there's no reason not to admit that in the moment and to just say, oh, let's do a redo. Or that felt terrible. Or I'm really sad right now. Or I'm just so tired um, to just kind of be honest as we go, um, which is just such a great lesson for our children. And I think one thing that I am very conscious of now as a mom of grown children um, is the great beauty of those early years is that hard as the days can be, there's also always another day. Like everyone's going to go to bed tonight and the tears and the mistakes And the bad moment kind of flow along, get forgotten. And tomorrow morning, you get to wake up and make them breakfast and kiss them good morning again and start all over. And it is 
such a gift that every day you just get a fresh start. And that too, it's a gift for the children because they realize, oh, even though I did that thing that was wrong yesterday, mommy doesn't hold it against me today. You know, we're just starting over. And to start over, over and over again is absolutely cool. I I miss that, um, you know, with the kids who live far away, it's all about like the phone calls. And sometimes, you know, the phone calls aren't always that great. And it's not like I can just call back and just say, it's your mom again. Like, that's <laughs> you know, that was really so hot. I mean, sometimes we've done that. Um, but they're not right here under my roof. I don't get to make them breakfast again tomorrow morning. They're far away and they have their own lives. And uh, so I would just say, just really appreciate that every day is a do-over. Mm, I love that. And, and that also when our kids see us having a hard time, struggling, um, losing our temper, getting frustrated, and then apologizing, they realize that it's okay to not be perfect too. Yeah, yeah. And also to to kind of figure out what you do to care for yourself in those moments and let them see that too. Like, I am so tired. I'm going to go take a bubble bath and like light a candle. And that makes an impression. Or maybe it's just like when I feel like this, I just need to go to my room and lay down for a while. So rather than like shove that on your child you can do it yourself and say, this is, I'm going to feel so much better if I just lay down for 10 minutes and have a little time alone. This episode is sponsored by Radish. Radish is a monthly cooking kit for kids ages 4 to 14 plus. Radish delivers culinary experiences that nurture kids' confidence in the kitchen and beyond. Inside every Radish kit, you get three recipe guides, a collectible apron patch, a quality kitchen tool, a grocery list, conversation starter cards, plus free online bonus materials, including homeschool lesson plans. Kate, we've both used Radish for years, right? Yes, we have. I absolutely love the creativity in each box, and my littles enjoy cooking in the kitchen and feeling like moms and dads. Yeah, I like that There's, it's all visual. So the kids, even really young kids, can do the cooking and it's more like mom and dad are the assistant which is it's really empowering for kids and then they make things that taste really really good and some of our very favorite holiday recipes have come from radish kits we've made um there was a fondue that we made a couple years ago like a bunch of our thanksgiving recipes they're really good recipes that like everybody enjoys One of the things I really like is that with the radish kits, you can save everything. So you can save the recipes and put them in a little recipe book. We have the binder that comes from them. I believe it's an additional um, add-on to your kit. Yeah, we have that too. You can just go back and use it time and time again. And all of the tools are awesome. And they're in my drawers. I use them when the kids aren't around. Yeah. It's a real high-quality kit. We just purged our kitchen and we... It was so funny. My daughter was hand, like showing all the green tools that are all of our radish tools that we've collected over the years. They work really well and they've held up. Radish makes a terrific holiday gift as well. And currently they're offering $10 off a six-month membership or $20 off a 12-month membership to podcast listeners. 
Just use the promo code HOMESCHOOLSISTERS at checkout. Again, that's $10 off a six-month membership or $20 off a 12-month membership with the code HOMESCHOOLSISTERS. And we'll put that in the show notes at thehomeschoolsisters.com as well. This episode is sponsored by Native. Native creates safe, simple, effective products that people use in the bathroom every day. They create products with trusted ingredients and trusted performance. Not convinced? Check out the over 9,000 five-star reviews from their customers. Native products are formulated without aluminum, parabens, and talc, and filled with ingredients found in nature, such as coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. And Native never tests on animals. Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women, plus they release new, limited additional seasonal scents throughout the year. They also offer an unscented formula and baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivities. What scent do you love, Kara? Well, this spring and summer, I was all about the cucumber mint, but then when the weather started to change, I got into the uh, coconut vanilla. It's a little bit of a warmer scent, and I I don't know. I like to change things up in the fall. (laughs) That's my favorite. That's the one I use. Oh, that's the one that you love, too? Mm -hmm. I love coconut. Actually, I love vanilla, too. Kara, you have a fun story about Native, right? I do. So I don't know if my mom always understands exactly what like I do. I don't, she doesn't listen to podcasts, <laughs> so I don't know if she understands really like podcasting. And it was really funny because this summer she came over for um, a lemonade stand that my daughter was doing and it was so hot outside and she was on her way to work after the lemonade stand and she was like, and I didn't bring any deodorant with, but I had a brand new Native deodorant that I hadn't even cracked open, my backup upstairs and I brought it down and I gave it to her and she used it and she loved it and she was like where do I get more of this and I I told her about you know that we talk about it on our podcast and that you can get it at nativedeodorant.com and she was like you talk about this on your podcast like she was so (laughs) impressed that we had native sponsoring our podcast it was it was very exciting so (laughs) I love that you saved the day there That's a yeah. great story. <laughs> she was she was super pumped. And she was thrilled because it's natural, but it actually works, which we've talked about on the podcast before. Yes. That you work out hard. I'm just a heavy sweater, but Native <laughs> does the does the job. <laughs> <laughs> it sure does. So for twenty percent off your first order, go to nativedeodorant.com and use promo code homeschool at checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com and use promo code homeschool for twenty percent off your first order. So Mitten Strings for God actually started with a Christmas letter. And so it, it's great timing to be talking to you right now as we're heading into the holidays. Um, yeah. But could you share just a little bit about that, how the Christmas letter came about and kind of how it went viral in a time before um, that was a word, or before that was something that we were yeah. throwing around all the time? <laughs> You think about that. It was over 20 years ago that I wrote that letter. Um, and it was kind of a, a reflection. It wasn't at all about what our family had been doing that year. It was just a little outpouring from the heart about how, as the season approached, I was just feeling all this pressure and I just wanted to slow down and I wanted to kind of hold the world out and hold our children close and create some moments that felt really quiet and intimate and meaningful. And just a little bit about how the culture 
especially around the holidays, really doesn't support that. I think it's much harder now than it was then, frankly. Um, in those days, and I know I sound like a really old person when I say in those days, but that was pre-internet, pre-Instagram, pre-Facebook. You weren't looking at pictures of other people's like perfect holiday decorations. Um, but still, there was that cultural pressure. Um, and certainly, even then, walk through the grocery store in the month of November and December, and there are all the magazines like, make this the best Christmas ever. <laughs> so wherever you go, there's that pressure. And I just, I just felt like, I'm not up to it. And actually, it's not even what I want. And so, yeah, I wrote this letter um, and I just sent it out to the people on our Christmas card list. And then I started to get like personal notes back saying this was just what I needed to read and thanks for sending it. And then I from people I didn't know because people had just made copies and mailed it to other people. And so suddenly I was hearing from people who said, could you just add me to your Christmas card list? For <laughs> so it was, it was all by mail, but it was kind of wonderful to see that those very simple kind of spontaneous reflections had resonated with so many people. And in a way, I think that was really what started me on this path. Um, like I said, I was kind of talking to myself, but it made me realize, well, there might be other young mothers out there, other people who are also open to kind of maybe rethinking some of what we're buying into. And then in the chapter piece, you share that holiday letter and then we get to read it, which is wonderful. Um, but then you also share some tips on simplifying the holidays and celebrations. Um, so I think that if everybody wants to pick up a copy of this book and read it, <laughs> if you're listening to this, um, there's some wonderful tips in there, including, this is just one of my favorites, that you don't have to prove anything to anybody. Christmas is not a competition. A Seder is not a cooking contest. A birthday doesn't need to be a blowout. A dinner can be a potluck. It, I mean, reading that is just so freeing because, like you said, there is so much pressure to do more, more, right. more. And I I know so many moms who find themselves on Christmas Day at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon like, oh, good, it's over. It's over, yeah. And that's, that's not how yeah. we want to... You know, yeah. Something, um, thinking about our conversation this morning, I just jotted down this idea, you don't have to be more or do more or buy more to make it meaningful. And interestingly enough, as I look back at the Christmases I remember from when our kids were little, I think my favorite tradition that we had was um, our kids are at a Waldorf school, and so we would have a lantern festival or lantern walk at the beginning of Advent. And that night, we had a little tradition where we would come home to a dark house, because it would be after dark, and we wouldn't turn on any lights. And I would just light a match and start lighting candles around the kitchen and around the house. And then we'd go into the living room after dinner and light candles and go to bed by candlelight. So that entire evening, we would never turn on a light. 
And I kind of get a little teary thinking about it now because it was absolutely magical for us and for them. And I think of all of the like stupid presents that we bought and all the parties that we went to and the things that like I don't even remember. But what I do remember are those candlelit evenings where there was never a light turned on and how everyone got really quiet and there was just this peace in the house. Like it was so wonderful. So like it's just a good example of when that. you dial it way, way, way back, sometimes those are the best things. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't really have to make yourself crazy to make it happen, which is so no. beautiful. <laughs> and it just happened and it's scattered oh, around naturally. the house before we left in the afternoon and yeah. a lighter in my pocket, you know. Yeah. I was thinking, and it's interesting what becomes the traditions too. Right, mm-hmm. right. It's uh, often the simplest things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've had another tradition in our family when our kids got older. Um, we always read Christmas books out loud. And then the one that kind of stuck is Truman Capote's A Christmas Memory. And so once every holiday season, we pull that out and read it out loud. And there are years where the kids are like, oh, I don't really want to hear it again. And like, that's fine. We'll just do it on another night. <laughs> then we'll, we'll pull it out when someone's over for dinner and the, the kids, I still call them the kids, even though they're men, when they're not here. So it's not like they have to be here every year. They've heard it like 15 times. Um, but at least once a season, we'll pull it out. And some dinner guests will be really delighted to have us read a story out loud. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing now that your sons have carried on a lot of those traditions that you built when they were younger? And do they yeah. do they come back home? And are there certain things they look forward to? Well, I would say yes. Um, they're both single. And so they aren't really creating their own holiday traditions in any way, shape or form. At this point. <laughs> um, they're happy to come home for sure. And And I think as a mom now of kids who don't live at home and they make this big trek across the country to come home, I feel a different kind of pressure to make the great Christmas because they're traveling home and I'm so excited to see them. And so I want it all to be perfect. And I have to remind myself, you know, it doesn't have to be, I don't have to do more, buy more, um, or be more to make it meaningful. It's just like, they're going to be happy to be home and Mm -hmm. I should put them to work rather than <laughs> myself trying to do everything for them just because they're home. In a way that's comforting to hear though, because it, <laughs> it means that you never achieve this level of like, Oh, all the pressure's gone now. You know, yeah. I mean, you still, so, because sometimes I think, um, when is it going to stop bothering me when I scroll through Instagram and see the beautifully decorated tree? And then I look at our tree and it's sort of Charlie Brown-esque and, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> covered with the preschool ornaments and, you know, nothing's coordinated or anything. Um, so it is, it's kind of comforting to hear that you, I mean, are still on this path and it's something you're Absolutely. still pursuing. And so, even this year, I've been thinking, um, I, I kind of want to under-decorate when you've been a family as long as we have, like my parents have downsized, so I inherited a 
ton of Christmas ornaments and decorations from my mom. And then I still have all those preschool decorations, all the things that got made all along the way, all the Christmas ornaments that were given, include, and also the ones that we bought like at the hardware store way back when we were first married, <laughs> way more than could be on any tree. So I thought this year, you know what? I don't need to put those preschool decorations on the tree anymore. I can take my mom's beautiful antique decorations that were passed down from her mother and just put those on the tree and the other ones that I love and just make it beautiful and to please me and the kids who are 27 and 30 can just deal with it. If they're little, <laughs> little egg carton uh, decorations don't show up on the Christmas tree. Like, do they really care? Um, so it does like these kind of inner dialogues continue. They just are mm-hmm. a little bit different. And I think, stay away from Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I one of the things that I like about all of your books is your your authenticity and vulnerableness. That you'll just you, you're you aren't afraid to kind of lay it all out there and talk about your struggles in a way that a lot of books that people recommend when you're a, a new mom or a young mom is are more parenting, telling you what to do. And your books don't do that. Your books tell your story, but it's so relatable and it's, it ends up being inspiring. Um, And one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was what was it like as a mom writing with all these little ones running around at home? Uh, I actually have no idea how I managed to do that. I mean, it, (laughs) I really don't because I don't have little ones running around at home anymore and I find it really hard to find time to write. Um, But maybe part of it was, I I think I was so aware of time passing and that these were moments and days and memories that I would never get back, that I was really determined in some way to just capture them and hold on to them and writing was a way to do that. Um, and I also have to give a shout out to my husband who was very supportive and he was working at home during those years. He had a little office in the upstairs bedroom. And so I was upstairs writing about the kids while he was actually taking care of the kids, um, which was true. A lot of the time, the only way I could get the writing done was to hand them over to him some, but I was also able to just sit on the porch with a pad of paper in my hands and write while they played in the yard, which was really great. Um, I wasn't actually writing on a computer at that point. I had one, but it was all still so such brand new technology that I was writing like on file cards and yellow legal pads um, and then typing into the into my computer later. So I was able to just write on the fly a bit. That's amazing. That's amazing. It really is. <laughs> As I look at all my post-its everywhere and all my notes, I think, oh, okay, like maybe these will turn into something someday. <laughs> but I also, there was a long gap between Mitten Strings and my next book. And it was, I think I did realize that was really, really hard writing that book. And I had an editing job at the same time. So I just thought, I don't think I want my life to be that challenging for a while. So it took a while before I read the next one. 
since since you mentioned your second book, I I love all three of them and I listen to them almost every year. Once a year is always my goal just because I, it's like soul soothing. But I was wondering, and I I have a feeling I know the answer, but I wanted to ask it anyway, if you have a favorite of your three books or of a certain phase of motherhood. Oh, well, two different questions. Um, I have to say, I absolutely loved those days when I really was the center of the universe for my kids. <laughs> Maybe that sounds really egotistical, no, but no. Um, I think what I loved about it was how physical it was. It's just like there was always somebody in my lap or someone's hand in my hand, and they just to just be able to hold them and touch them and hug them. Um, and once that's over, it's really, really over. And I think there's just no way to ever replace it. Like there's nothing else like those years when they still just want to be hugged and touched and kissed and nuzzled. So I do miss that. Um, and about the books, oddly enough, I would have, I mean, each of my books is precious to me. Um, but the one that I really love the most is the most recent one, which is a collection edited, I rewrote a lot of the pieces, of all the pieces that I have on my blog. Um, mm -hmm. And it's called Moments of Seeing. And I love it for a bunch of reasons. One is that as I wrote those pieces, I wasn't ever thinking of them as a book. It's just that as the years went by and they accumulated, there were all of these essays. And so they, they kind of capture life as it was being lived. Mm -hmm. um, I had the chance to go back and re rewrite them and then I knew my New York publisher wasn't going to want that book because they the pieces online and so that gave me the freedom to do this book and my husband we met in publishing he owns a little company um, so we became partners and I got to choose the paper I chose the typeface oh. I worked with a local designer a friend of mine copy edited it um, a local artist I it's her painting on the cover. So it's a completely homemade local book. And it's so beautiful because a publisher is going to choose the cheaper paper and they're, they're there for the bottom line. And really, it was almost like a gift that it wasn't about trying to make money. It was trying to make a really beautiful book that you'd want to hold in your hand. And it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, I wouldn't change a thing about it. So that's, I guess that's my favorite. Oh, wow. I love that. Okay, well, we will make sure that we link to all of your books at yeah. the show notes. So it is available. It's on Amazon. Okay. It's also available through my husband's company, Earth, Sky, and Water. Um, okay. And they ship it directly if you want signed. If anyone wants signed copies, then I sign them and and he ships them for me. <laughs> and oh. when we published the book, my son Henry was, uh, happened to be at home. And so it was really fun. Like, it was definitely a big family affair. Um, suddenly we had like 5,000 books delivered and all these orders. And so he and I went into the warehouse and I signed all these books and he packed them up and we sent them off. So that was really fun. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Okay, I I definitely know a couple of gals who are going to want some signed copies, right, Kate? No, I think so. <laughs> but we'll make sure that we um we link to that over in the show okay. notes at thehomeschoolsisters.com and we'll link to all of your other beautiful books. Um Kate, did you have more any more questions at all? I have one that's a little bit off topic, but that oh. I'd love to ask is if you have a favorite book of your own. Oh, wow. What a great question. Um, you know, I think I'm going to say, just because it's been on my mind a lot lately, not a book, but a play, Our Town by Thornton Wilder, um, which kind of like my relationship with all of Ann Burns, I was actually in that play in high school. And so performing in it, reading it, learning it, that was really the beginning of my lifelong theme, which is celebrating the beauty in each ordinary day. Um, there's a line in the play where Emily, the main character who dies young in childbirth, uh, she is allowed to come back to life for one day and just see what it's like. And so she, you know, from her grave is trying to pick which day she should go back and relive of her entire life. And the stage manager, who was kind of the narrator of the play, he says to her, pick the least important day of your life. It will be important enough. And I think that line, um, you know, if you put yourself in those shoes, what day would you go back and relive? The least important day of your life would be important enough. And I think that's kind of, in retrospect, I came to see that that's where... I got the theme that I write about all the time. Oh, perfect. So good. Okay, now I want to read that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, Katrina, this has been amazing. I I can't believe, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes when you read a book, it just touches you in a way where you're like, oh, I wish it would just be so neat sometime to like sit down and have coffee with the author and talk. And I feel like we got to do that. So. This has been such a gift. Thank yeah. you. Actually, um, it's been a you. gift for me too to, to to just talk to two moms who are right in the thick of it right now. It's really good for you. Good, good work. <laughs> uh, well, and and um, yeah, I mean, it's. I think so many moms are going to hear this and and really benefit from your words. So so thank you. Um, for that too. And before we go, we always like to ask if there's something that's bringing you joy right now. Well, there is. Um, when you said so you my parents are in their eighties and they live, um, they live, uh, just about me. They moved to our town and built a house here so that they could be close to us. And so I get to see them almost every day. And like yesterday I had a doctor's appointment and my dad came with me. He said, do you want me to go to your doctor's appointment? And at first I was just going to say, no, I can go alone. And then I thought that was such a nice offer. Sure, dad, come to my doctor's appointment with me. It was so nice to have him. And I've got my sons who don't live here, but they'll be home for the holidays and we stay close um, in close touch by phone. And so the joy comes from being right in the middle and being both a daughter and a mother. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. And I know that can't last forever. So I just savor every single day that I still get to be a daughter. Mm, yeah. Well, Kate, what about you? 
I I am super excited for Thanksgiving next week. It's my favorite holiday. I feel like it has less stuff associated with it. You just, you know, are gathering with your people in your cozy spot and eating and enjoying a meal together. And so I'm looking forward to seeing some family and friends that we haven't seen in a while to have them here and host them. Mm-hmm. What about you, Kara? Mine is kind of along the Thanksgiving theme too. Um, you know, and it's along the theme of this episode for sure that for years and years, I, I felt like, you know, our celebrations maybe were missing because we we didn't have a lot of extended family to come over for Thanksgiving and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so recently I, I said something to my daughter, who's 12 now, I said, do you, you know, do you wish that we did more? And she said, no, I like that we make pies and play Scrabble. That's our tradition. And it just, <laughs> it Is like, there anything better than pies and Scrabble? Yeah, but <laughs> I want to go to your house. <laughs> <laughs> it just, my mom yeah. too. We love Scrabble. And so does my son, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Something else we have in common. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it just lifted this this little weight of worry that's been on my chest, even though I've you know, known for years and years, like, it's, it's going to be okay. It's enough. It's what they know. We all have each other, you know, but it's hard sometimes. And so to hear her say, no, like our tradition is that we make pies and we play Scrabble. It it just felt like, okay, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just really good. I love that. (laughs) Great. Katrina, I know our listeners are going to want to connect with you more. So can you tell them where they can find you? Yeah, very easy. My website is uh, www.katrinakennison.com. Okay. So, and there's there's a lot on there. Um, just all the pieces I've written over the years, uh, they're all there. They're, and I would love to, to meet some of your listeners over there on the site. Oh, fantastic. Well, we will link to that in the show notes, all of your books, and anything else that we talked about today over at the show notes at thehomeschoolsisters.com. And thank you so much. Thank Thanks. you. This was a, such a fun conversation. This has been amazing. Oh, um, well, have a great rest of your day, everybody. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We'd love to answer your question next. So head to our site, thehomeschoolsisters.com and click on ask us a question. We share posts over there too. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We'd also love it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes so we can connect with more sisters out there. And until next time, remember, you've got this sister.